You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into today's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap. We have over 2,500 members. You can also find all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Bryson, how you doing this evening? Pretty good, man. Uh, as always, just excited to talk Panthers football and try to squeeze in a little bit of the Canes game every glimpse I can take of it and just uh, get things rolling here. Yeah, we're recapping the draft tonight, just giving our insight of what we thought of the the trade back special by Fitterer and company. So uh, this evening, we have a two-timer on Edgar Salmingo Jr., also known as Panthers Analyst on Twitter. Edgar, thank you so much for coming back. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that's you know I didn't ruin your show and you actually invited me back on for a second time. Well, let's start off right away. Let's go to round one. Panthers at eight. Justin Fields still on the board. Rashawn Slater still there. Mac Jones as well. Panthers go with J.C. Horn. Let's get your thoughts right off the bat here. Do you think this was the best move for Carolina at the time? I mean, in retrospect, I think we could all kind of like trust the process. We could trust GM Scott Fitterer. But when it happened, I was so, you know, so all in on Justin Fields, right? Just getting a, a quarterback, even though he's not proven, someone that, you know, we could kind of gravitate towards and feel like, okay, we know, you know, this, this is the future, right? And so, by selecting J.C. Horn, I think a lot of people aren't mad at J.C. Horn. I think a lot of people are in love with the traits, the the nine 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 relative athletic score, the the Kobe Mamba mentality that he brings. Uh, people are familiar with him because it's South Carolina, so I think there's a lot of things to like about him, and people are are happy with him. Uh, but by choosing J.C. Horn, there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people here. One, there's a lot of pressure on Scott Fitter and Matt Rule because they put a lot of trust into Sam Darnold. So if you know what you're doing, like this Sam Darnold better work out. Sam Darnold's also the person that you got to depend on. Um, whoever ends up playing left tackle, whether it's Trent Scott, whether it's Cam Irving, whether it's Brady Christensen, you had a, a, a blue chip left tackle on the board waiting for you. So as a fan or as fans, we can live with whatever and we can roll with and we could, you know, pump up our, our own team, but there's a lot of pressure that a lot of people better be good. I, I proposed on draft night, you know, is Mac Jones, whose career is going to be better? Is it going to be Mac Jones or Sam Darnold? Or who's who's going to have a better NFL career, Justin Fields or, or Sam Darnold? So uh, we can live with it. I think everyone's fine. No one's no one's going to like, you know, jump out of a building because we've passed on Justin Fields. But there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people to be very, very good because they've invested a lot uh, or they've they've trusted a lot in Sam Darnold, the offensive line. And, and you know, they're hoping that this all pans out. I can tell you I was about ready to jump out of a building when uh... – they took J.C. Horn over Justin Fields. I was so mad, dude. We, we were at the, the watch party in uh, Charlotte at uh, Dilworth Grill with uh, Roaring Riot. And, man, I, I heard the J come out of uh, um, Roger Goodell's mouth. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, Justin Fields. And then he said J.C. Horn. And, oh, my God, dude, I sprinted back to the table, didn't say another word to anybody, and was just drinking my beer. And I was so mad. But I cooled down at the end little bit but I don't know man it, it just it just hurt me deep to know that we passed on Justin Fields because I was so high on him and uh, I thought that he like like you said that he could be the future in Carolina but they took JC Horn and they have a lot riding on hoping that Sam Darnold pans out so we'll see yeah I can attest to that you were pretty pissed off I was 
I took the more patient approach, which I didn't do with Sam Darnold. I hated that move from the start and that kind of precluded what was going to happen in the draft, but I just didn't want to believe it, I guess at the time. And that's why I was always pulling for Justin Fields and hoping Carolina would throw another quarterback at the mix and see whichever comes out on top. But clearly that's not the case. And again, Matt rule is going with another bandaid at quarterback and hoping they can turn a guy, turn around a, a guy's career. I feel like a lot of guys, they try to bring into Carolina and turn around their career. And a lot of the times it doesn't work out. So, I mean, at the most important position, I hope this one does, but again, would I've liked to see Justin Fields. Yeah. Would I've, I went to mine Slater either. I mean, they find, they need a left tackle and we'll get into this a little bit later. I don't know if they really answer that in this draft. So yeah, it would have been nice. But again, I was, I don't mind the JC Horn move. I wasn't as fired up as Bryson was about it. I, I, I like the move. I think he's, I think he could be the best corner in this draft. We talked about that these last few episodes. And I mean, he's gone up against some of the best wide receivers in college football and held his own. So, I mean, I'm excited to see that and the tenacity he brings. I think that's what he said. That's the one word that describes him. He's, you know, and he's just a fiery guy. And I think adding another guy like that on our defense is, is the right move to make. And hopefully Sam's the real deal here. Yeah, I could, I could buy into the culture fit, right? And so, you know, looking at a macro vision, I know we're focusing on, on round one, but they're trying to build like a nasty, fiery, you know, swagalicious defense, right? They're trying to like be bullies, both on offense and defense. And so I could buy into that. Again, like Bryson triggered me because I felt the same way when he said the J. Uh, I was just like, oh my God, it's happening. Seahorn. I was like, what the heck is that? And you know, it would be easier if, like, J.C. Horn was, like, the, you know, the overwhelmingly, like, everybody felt like he was CB1, you know? And, like, people aren't even, like, if you ask 100 people, like, who's the best quarterback in this draft? They'll say Trevor Lawrence. You say, who's the best tight end? They'll say Kyle Pitts, right? But if you say, who's the best cornerback? Some people will say this. Some people say Sertan, right? And so uh, there's a lot to process, but, like, I'm willing to see this process out. But I do like the idea of, like, what you said, Curtis. Like, they're bringing out, like, a, a dog mentality on that defense. And so if this is a nasty, you know, top five defense in a couple of years, I could buy it. Um, but we're just nervous because Sam Darnold hasn't shown to be like, he has a potential. He was drafted with potential, but in the NFL, he hasn't shown like, Oh yeah, this is definitely the guy. Yeah. They're definitely building a, like a young core on the defense, a uh, young fiery core uh, with Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, JC Horn. Now I feel like the defense is definitely heading in the, the right direction, but I just don't know. Um, I, I was so much more comfortable with the Sam Darnold trade when I had hope that they were taking Justin Fields or another quarterback at least to bring in competition for him. I don't think P.J. Walker and Will Greer are going to provide that competition that he needs, but um, I'm hoping, like I've, like I've been saying for the past couple of months, I'm hoping the Sam Darnold thing pans out and he is good, but I was holding out hope that we would get Justin Fields. And it just hurts me to know that because we traded for Sam Darnold, that's the reason that we didn't draft Justin Fields. So it just, it just hurts me deep, but uh, let's move on to the draft as a whole. Kind of um, I wanted to get your opinion on the trades that were made on draft day, um, day one, two, and three, 11 total picks. If I'm not mistaken, that's the most ever uh, for Carolina in any draft. So what was your opinion on Scott Federer and the trade backs he made? I think a lot of people love the tradebacks. At some point, the tradebacks became a meme, right? It just became viral. Just like, now this is like the tradeback master guru or whatever. 
think a lot of people can buy into it. I think a lot of things that also made us nervous, just like the whole passing of Justin Fields, is like they passed on a lot of talent. But like, I think at the end of the day, people want tradebacks. But then you see like, whoa, you know, Tevin Jenkins is still on the board. Jeremiah Ousakarmo is still on the board, you know, and you're just like, wow, there's all these left tackles still on the board. And you trade back and trade back and trade back. And I love Terrace Marshall, so don't get me wrong. The same thing with J.C. Horn. I love them both. They were both, like, guys that I love. But it's like, oh, man, you could have, like, solidified quarterback for a long time. You could have solidified left tackle for a long time. And so, you know, it's again, it's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure on J.C. Horn. He better be legit. A lot of pressure on Terrace Marshall. He better be legit. Um, but overall, I think the philosophy is correct. It's sound. I think a lot of things that frustrates Panthers fans that have been fans for a very long time is that there didn't seem to be a process on how they did things, right? And so you could agree or disagree with how Scott Fitterer like traded back or did things or drafted people that were high athletes or had flags, but at least you know like where he stands and he was consistent on it. Um, I like his philosophy of that like in the draft, and this is kind of a cool, you know, if you ever want to talk about this for another pod topic, like, you know, somebody said, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, who was a tweet last year. He said like a, a good draft um, has, you know, three solid starters and a great draft has four, at least four solid starters. I was like, oh, interesting. So I went back in all the Panthers drafts. I was like, I can't even think of a, a, the last draft where I had at least four, three or four solid starters that came out of that class. Right. And so his philosophy is like, just draft more people, right? If you draft 11 people, the odds are you're going to get three or four, uh, solid starters. Right. And so I like that approach of like, even the most optimistic person like myself that wants them to be successful, I can't expect all of these guys to be legit, but like if I try as money, if I like Bryson said, if I draft 11 people and three hit or four hit, then like I'm solid. But if I draft like six or seven, which you've been doing like these last few years, like it's very, very hard to hit them all. And so I'm, I like the approach of like trying to throw as many darts as possible. Sticking with the trade back theme here, were there any trade backs that you were shaking your head at or you disagree with? It's hard to disagree because like, you know, I, uh, unless you're like me, you guys play fantasy football, you guys do stuff. So you like, you kind of have a board, you kind of have people you like in general. So it's hard to say in a sense, like who was on their board or who they like. Um, they said many times in the post, um, the post round conferences that like, oh, there's a group of guys that we like and we count the number. He said, Scott Federer said he counted back, right? So he said like, okay, we have eight guys we like. So if you go back seven spots, I know I'm going to get one of the eight guys I like. So I can't like really complain that they traded back. Uh, but just from a fan standpoint, when you lost out on all those offensive tackles, when you lose out on a, a guy like Jeremiah uh, Owusu-Karma from Notre Dame, you're just like, man, like you could have given up. But like, again, it's uh, quality versus quantity, right? And so I think they're banking on just grabbing more picks, getting more shots in the gun, and seeing if any of them stick. And, you know, those guys that we like, like Tevin Jenkins and, and, and Owusu-Karma, they could have busted too. Like they could be terrible too. So I, again, some people might disagree. I might like be nervous about it, but I'm, I, I understand their philosophy. I'm down to like, see how it works out. And also I think they pretty much recouped uh, what they traded for Sam Darnold um, from the trade backs. And then also the Tabers water trade. I think they pretty much value wise recouped what they traded away for Sam Darnold. So that was nice um, to see on draft day, a, a competent GM knowing what he's doing and getting more picks and not making terrible trades. So, I like that a lot. And also want to give a shout out to our old GM, Dave Gettleman, trading back for the first time in his career. <laughs> that that was funny to see after everybody was giving him shit a pretty much all month leading up to the draft that he's never traded back. And he said that he never would. And then he ended up doing it. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, I'm just looking at the second round here. Um, and this is where a lot of fans can, you know, you see a lot of the complaints on online, but you had them at 39. They traded with the Bears. The Bears take Jenkins off the board. 
And then you had, I believe I'm, I'm counting this right. You had five offense alignment go until their next pick. Yeah, four. You had four go, and then they treated it again with Cleveland at 52. Then you had a fifth go in Dylan Redunds to the Tennessee Titans. So you had five offense alignment go since they traded at 39. And I saw today, I think it was today, Darren Gant talking on a podcast that there was a lot of, there was some people in the war room that weren't, didn't agree with some of these tradebacks and they wanted them to pull the trigger at left tackle. So that, that kind of concerns me. I still don't think they have the answer at left tackle. I mean, I hope Brady can Christensen is the guy um, or he can mold into that or Cam Irving can stay healthy for a whole season or Trent Scott can hold his own. But I mean, we've, we've seen it last year. I mean, this Sam Darnold needs a wall in front of him. And I, I felt like they didn't take a premier left tackle for him. And that kind of worries me a little bit. I love the Terrace Marshall junior move. I thought was a best player available pick. And if that guy can stay healthy, that's a hell of a pick, but if Brady Christensen doesn't pan out we, uh, next year, you might be sitting here wondering where the next left tackle is. And I mean, this is where since 2013, since Jordan Gross retired, they have not found a left tackle. Yeah. To, to be fair for the uh, Brady Christensen uh, pick, which I was a fan of. Um, I liked Christensen. He played and started every game for three straight years. He was a 2020 consensus All-American at left tackle. He had the best 2020 pass blocking grade among offensive tackles in the draft class. And he only allowed two pressures on 293 blocking uh, pass blocking downs in the regular season snaps. So I I think he's shown that he has the potential to be a solid left tackle. Uh, He's very athletic also for a left tackle and age wise, he's he's a little older and he's coming in older than the average Panther. So, I mean, that that's a, a little concerning, I guess, but I mean, he's only 25. So, it's not bad. And um, I, like I said, I, I like the pick. Uh, I thought at, trading up at three and getting them, um, which I think they did trade up for Christensen at that pick. I thought, I thought it was interesting and I, I thought it was a decent pick. So I'm, I'm hoping he pans out at left tackle. I don't know, Edgar, what your opinion is on Christensen, but. Yeah, I agree. I, he's super athletic. Everybody who watched all the uh, the Zach Wilson film were always came away like impressed by Grady Christensen. I think the flags are age, like what Bryson said, you know, he's, 20, he's not super old, but I mean, like his ceiling, you know, some of these younger guys like Panay Sewell, like they still have room to grow. As Brady Christensen, is he maxed out already? I know by NFL standards, his arm length is, is, is short. So is he a guy that they kick him inside if he doesn't pan out? But I don't want to get my heart broken after, you know, the, the Greg Little hype when we traded up for him in the second round for a left tackle. And so uh, I know you said like, oh, we haven't had one since Jordan Gross. Like we tried last year or two years ago and that sucked. So um, I'm hoping Brady Christian works out. And then he has a better athletic profile than Greg Little. When we drafted Greg Little, I was like, dude, this guy's like, he, he had good PFF scores and people was like, oh, Greg Little is this, this and Greg Little is that. Um, but like, he just didn't have like, at least from what I see, he just doesn't have that fire in his belly. I hope Brady Christensen has that and we solidify this left tackle spot, but I'm hope uh, high hopes, but, but not expecting like he better, like that he's going to be a legit left tackle, but I'm hoping that he does. I got to give a little Kevin a shout out here. He's been on our show a few times, but here, here's some knocks he had on Christensen. He said his waistband for leverage, he, his consistent lateral footwork for his balance and his hand placement on the inside of defenders pads is, some of the things he's got to work on. So that might be something to watch going forward in training camp. 
the limited preseason we're going to see rookie camp all that stuff but just some things to, to, to take into account and I know again like I said Darren Gant said there was a few there's a few guys in that war room that were pulling for a left tackle and you know fitter decided to trade down and get some of these best players available and go go some different routes so again that will be interesting to look back on in a few years and see if this really panned out let's go to the other side here edgar what was your favorite if you had to pick one pick because there was many there was there was 11 of them what was your favorite pick rounds two to seven yeah, I was talking about it or was tweeting about it. Like last year, it was like Jeremy Chin was like flat out hot hands above everybody else. That was my favorite pick. I was like, I went up and grabbed this legit like athlete that was a rock star on the field, right? This year, like there's so many good like options. I kind of picked just one. If I had to pick one, I'm probably most excited about two uh, or three, three of them. I, I, again, there's so many, I could say all of them, right? Number one is Terrace Marshall. Like that's a legit like big man wide receiver. I know like we're kind of have PTSD after like our, our twin towers of, of Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. Um, but to get Terrace Marshall, who, um, you know, is actually one of the few good wide receivers in this class that's over six feet, over 200 pounds. A lot of these people in this class were like these small slot types and the potential of being like a Chris Godwin, the potential of being like a Michael Thomas, the potential of being a Corton Sutton. These are like comps that people thrown out. That's exciting to me. And I know that Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are there. But it's been a while since we had a big slot that you could just, you know, we stuck Curtis Samuel in there and we stick like some of these smaller guys. It's like, how do you defend this three-headed monster? And you have this mastermind that's crafting this offense. And so I would love, or I'm excited to see Terrace Marshall in a Joe Brady offense in the NFL and to see him like tear it up. Uh, second, I thought it was Tommy Tremble. And I'm not going to say that he's going to be a, an all-star, be a Hall of Famer, but just the way that he run blocks and blocks in general is like, yes, like that's a guy. And so maybe, you know, he doesn't develop as a pass catcher. But just as a fan, just loves watching football. Like I'm excited to see him like maul a road for for uh, for Christian McCaffrey, right? And so that's just really exciting to see. And the last one, I know that a lot of people are are on this train too, but Davion Nixon, um, who has like the potential to have been a second round. People are presuming that he was actually a second round grade on Scott Fitterer's board. He is like a the, the pass rushing DT that we've been looking for all off season all last year when Kwan Short was was um, down on the injured list. And you had Derek Brown, Zach Kerr, you had uh, F.A. Obata kind of rotating in. And finally they got like someone who's supposed to fill that role to be like that knife to get some sacks from the interior. And so Derek Brown was super impressive last year, but it's nice to pair him with someone whose like main objective is just pass rush the quarterback from the interior. I think we all remember when Kwan Short when his, was in his heyday in 2015, 2016, he was just unstoppable in pass rushing. So it is exciting to see if Nixon can be that next version of K1 short. Yeah. What's, what's interesting. Let me jump in here quick, just to go off of the Nixon thing is, you know, Panthers have started to take chances on guys who've had off the field issues. You didn't see that with when Jerry Richardson was the owner. I mean, if you had a tattoo, you were lucky to get on this team. I mean, this guy was very strict on who they were drafting and I feel like David Tepper and, you know, Scott Fitter and Matt Rule's philosophy is, is if you got, I mean, they're willing to give guys second chances and, you know, guys like Nixon and one of the guys I thought could be, you know, something I'm excited about is Brown, Deontay Brown, who they got in the sixth round is, I mean, he held his own versus Derek Brown and he had some off the field issues while suspended his weight. Um, I mean, came into his pro day 344. That's a guy to watch. 
but he, I mean, he held his own along that Alabama offensive line really could be an anchor inside maybe for Carolina. But that's one thing I've noticed is they're willing to take chances on some of these guys who, you know, they don't have the best, you know, I don't life or decision-making outside of football and they're willing to bring them in and, you know, the Matt rule type of philosophy to hone them in and, you know, just work on football. I think that's exciting too, is they're, they're taking more chances on some of these guys. Yeah. I like that too. I also like it in this round five, six, seven, right? Like a lot of times we took chances on this, like regular scrubs or, or Joe blows, right? It's like, why not take a chance on a guy that fell? I mean, if he falls and he, and he's not good, you wasted a fifth round pick on him, right? That's how people like, I know Tyreek Hill had a ton of issues and a lot of people had issues, right? So like, why not take a flyer? Why not buy a lottery ticket on these guys that are falling? If they suck, you just, it was just a fifth round pick. No one's expecting a lot. No one's expecting the world on your fifth round pick anyway. So even if you cut him right away, no one's going to go like crazy. And so uh, I love that they are willing to, like you said, this type of uh, front office is willing to take chances on those guys. Yeah, did uh, did Davion Nixon have off the field issues? Is that why he slid, Edgar? Uh, I'm I'm just not sure on that one. Yeah, it was reported that there was an off field incident in which um, he was actually cleared of all charges. But I don't know if other teams are trying to like shy away because there was you know he was cleared. There was something with uh, dormitory something with, in Iowa. Yeah, something yeah. in the dorms, and so but he was cleared, and so I don't know why there was such a big you know it, it could be a combo of the character concerns plus like maybe you know their their own um, evaluations don't, didn't strike it as like he should be even higher. Uh, but yeah, they, that they were mentioning that that could be a possibility why he fell. Okay. All right. Well, let's do the opposite end of the spectrum. You can do one through eight on uh, one through seven on this one. Uh, what is your least favorite pick of the draft? I think the easy one is to say the long snapper, um, <laughs> Thomas Fletcher. I mean, I tweeted, like, I don't know what JJ Jansen is doing or whatever, but even at the very end of the day, dude, it's a long snapper, right? I know that's a very important. If you don't have a long snapper, people are going to go crazy that the punts go, you know, the punter doesn't get the ball or the field goal units or whatever. But like wh- whoever said, that, um, you know, whoever complained about JJ Jansen, when was the last time you read about, tweeted about, heard about like, oh man, I hate JJ Jansen. I wish they had whatever. And then they kept on saying, oh, we need competition at the position. I was like, you get composition at kicker. You get composition at punter. You get composition at um, safety, which people were talking about. And so like, I don't buy this idea like, oh, we wanted it. But I do think if they didn't grab him there, Washington behind them and other teams were going to take him. So they just kind of lusted over him. Um, I do think that if you are in the position where you trade back and have all these picks, you'll take more bold moves like drafting a long snapper in round six. Um, so I can say that's my least. If I, if I take out the long snapper, um, I'll say my most nervous, you know, the one that makes me a little bit nervous is Chuba Hubbard, the running back, right? And so everybody believes that Christian McCaffrey at his, you know, at his peak or out of injury is like a, a workhorse that takes everything and can do it all. And so like at, you know, if, if CMC is at his best, like how much, how much work, how many snaps, how good can Chuba Hubbard be if McCaffrey is gobbling up all the receptions and all the, all the rushing attempts. And so that's the one that's kind of like, ner- I mean, again, we're being nitpicky. I don't, I don't hate Chuba Hubbard. I want him to be successful, but he also had a bit of fumbling issue. He had a down production year last year. And so if, if Chuba Hubbard doesn't work out next year, I'm not gonna be like, well, I didn't expect that from happening. Right. And so that's the only one that would say like the most, if I, ca- if I take out the long snapper, that'd be like the most, uh, the one that makes me the most nervous. Bryson, what about you? My least favorite? Yeah, it, it, is it uh, Horn over Fields? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I wasn't a fan of that. Uh, and probably if I could do it over again, I think I would take Fields over Horn still. But uh, 
just because of that situation, it's it's my least favorite, but not because of J.C. Horn, the player. I think J.C. Horn is a, a very solid prospect and going to be a good corner in the NFL for a long time. So nothing against J.C. Horn. Um, but, yeah, like just taking him over fields kind of hurt. But I just wasn't a fan of when they traded down um, their first pick in the second round and they had all those tackles left on the board, some solid, solid tackle prospects. I think that was probably my least favorite thing that happened in the draft besides the Justin Fields trade. Um, but player-wise, I'm, I'm a fan of almost every player they took. Uh, like Edgar said, said, taking a long snapper, they probably could have got him as an undrafted free agent um, in, in camp. But uh, I, Shai Smith is uh, a player I liked a lot. Deontay Brown's a player I liked a lot. <laughs> I mean, I can go down the list. A lot of players they took I, I liked a lot um, in the pre-draft process. Uh, Hubbard. I, I can see where Edgar's coming from. I mean, in um, 2019, he had 2,094 uh, yards and 2,292 scrimmage yards total, 21 touchdowns. So, And then in 2020, he did have a down here with only 625 yards and six touchdowns. So I, I can see that being a, an area of concern for sure. But overall, I thought they did, they had a very good draft and just it would just be nitpicky, like Edgar said, just trying to pick a least favorite pick in, at, in this situation. What about you, Curtis? Yeah, the Thomas Fletcher, you know, looking at it, Trey Smith was still on the board, and a lot of people were pissed off about that move. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you brought up, Edgar, the Washington thing, because I never took that into account, and I'm just looking at the draft board here. They did take a long snapper three picks later. I'm wondering if this was just a jab at Ron Rivera and Marty Ernie that – Let's go get this Thomas Fletcher, the best long snapper in the league. I I have no idea. That's just me guessing. I, th- I think that's interesting, and I thought it was hilarious when you brought that up. If I'm going to go off of a pick, I'm going to go with I love this pick, but I also worries the hell out of me is the Terrace Marshall. He was a first-round graded wide receiver. You know, he slipped all the way. Carolina got him at the end of the second round after they traded back. He's got a lot of injury issues. He had a stress fracture, missed three games in his sophomore season. He only played nine games as a freshman in high school. He had a leg injury as well that kept him out. So that his medical history kind of worries me. And for, for them to pass up on so many offensive linemen in the second round to get him. If it doesn't pan out and he doesn't stay healthy, that could be a bad move on their part. Cause you, you got to figure your first three round picks you hope to hit on. You hope those guys are starters either day one or, you know, the first or, or the second or third year type of thing. And those guys can play majority of the season. So that I, I guess for me, that's one move. That kind of worries me a little bit. Again, I think he's a great, I mean, he's a great prospect. The The availability and where he was at in the draft was a great move on their part, but the injury history scares me a little bit. And that's just one thing we got to watch out for. One player that I forgot to mention um, that kind of, I, w- I just wasn't really sure about the player. Um, it's a fifth round pick, which really doesn't matter at the in the grand scheme of things, but Keith Taylor, uh, the cornerback, um, I think he's from Washington, pretty sure. But uh, he having zero interception in his college career, uh, his ball skills are questionable at best. But I thought that was an interesting pick. I think he does play man, man-to-man coverage pretty well, uh, corner-wise. So it looks like they're trying to go to a more man-to-man style 
um, offense for for corners at least. So I thought that was an interesting pick, but uh, with some other people on the board that I would liked a little better. But uh, that's that's just being nitpicky. I, I think he might be a solid player. So it is what it is. All right, we we kind of talked about this, but let's just let's keep hammering this away because I want I want to get your take. Edgar, do you think they did enough in this draft to address the need at left tackle? Are you satisfied with the three guys that are going to compete at that position? That's Cam Irving, Trent Scott, Brent Christensen. Are are you banking on one of those guys to be protecting Sam Darnold this year? I can't say that I'm satisfied. Um, I will say that I think it's good enough for, let's not forget last year, this was a legit offense. I know that Teddy Bridgewater Bridgewater held them back some. I know the offensive line held them back some, but it was still like a legit offense that like was, had the fewest three and outs to start, you know, to start a game in the whole like NFL. So like I trust in Joe Brady, I trust in the scheme. So I'm I'm banking. I know this is a hope and a prayer that Joe Brady realizes where his deficiencies are and he schemes away from, you know, Sam Darnold's, you know, weaknesses, doesn't put the left tackle in a position where like they're on an Island and they're just going to die or they don't get help for the, for the left side. So I, I have hope that they will work around these weaknesses and still put up like crazy amount of numbers. Uh, I know you're nervous about Terrace Marshall, but if he's clean um, he's like, people are going to say like, wow, I can't believe he fell to the second round, like a Michael Thomas, like a Cortland Sutton, like a Chris Godwin. I think he has that type of potential, um, but obviously he has to stay healthy. Um, but this offense, that wide receiver crew, Christian McCaffrey, you know, we, we went a whole offense, a whole year without Joe Brady and scheming for Christian McCaffrey. I think it has potential to be electric, even though they have deficiencies at quarterback and at left tackle. So what position battles are you looking uh, most forward to in, in camp? To be honest, like, uh, you know, how this, how this left tackle and guard thing, you know, um, shakes out, you know, when it comes to left tackle, we have Cam Irving, we have Brady Christensen, and you have, you know, Greg Little, and you have Trent Scott. Like, you have four legitimate people who have a piece of the pie that could start at left tackle or, like, have a, could buy for left tackle. At guard, they got uh, Pat Alfline, who's, you know, uh, uh, not spectacular, but it's been solid. But you also have Deontay Brown and an undrafted free agent we haven't talked about, David Moore, who are, like, super impressive in the senior bowl, right? Could they ascend? And so it's not exciting to talk about a camp battle of, of, of guards right it's not like it's you, know, you can't watch it uh to be honest the most exciting position battles will be seeing like the rookies against these these legit you know these legit returning players like brian Verz versus brady christensen right or um jc horn against you know uh, uh robbie anderson and dj moore right like those are the things i'm excited to see uh in the position battles i think most of them are generally settled um but i do like to see like you know, who emerges in the guards, even though it's like the least sexiest battle to watch, who's who's going to emerge from the interior of the offensive line. Yeah, I'll jump in here. I'm curious to see the number three wide receiver spot. You know, now that they brought, you got David Moore, Marshall, Shai Smith, who's going to rise to the top there and take that number three position? Don't forget my boy, Brandon Zilstra. Oh yeah. You like yourself some Zilstra. I forgot about him. A lot of, I tend to forget about that guy. I apologize, but yeah, that's that number three wide receiver and also backup quarterback. Now that you don't have Teddy Bridgewater there, you got Darnold who who's going to, is it going to be Walker? Are they going to find, I mean, are they, they going to finally give Will Greer some playing time? Are we going to see this guy under center in a preseason game? 
that that's another one I'd, I'm curious to see what happens with because you know Darnold you got to bring it up he has never played a full season yet and now we're at 17 games this ain't 16 anymore so that's another position I'm curious about too is you know who's gonna is it gonna be Walker the XFL star is it gonna be Will Greer and his days with the Mountaineers in West Virginia and Bryson loves that we won't talk about that but yeah that's another one I'm looking at and D-line, how does the D-line shake out? You have so many pieces there right now. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I'm super excited about this season compared to last. I think we're going, coming in with much more talent, much more depth, younger, just pretty much better at every position, uh, including quarterback, Sam Darnold over Teddy Bridgewater. So uh, I, I just – I'm super excited, uh, like you guys were saying, position battle-wise. Uh, the third wide receiver is interesting. I don't know if Terrence Marshall is going to be able to – to beat out David Moore, but we'll see. Um, corner is JC Horn going to be cornerback one, or is Dante Jackson? I don't know, but I, I think I think that'll be interesting. Turf and then toe. obviously the left tackle, Turf toe. <laughs> yeah. the guy leaves every first quarter of every game. So um, yeah, we'll see about that. I think I think JC Horn. <laughs> don't forget about AJ Boye. Some... I mean that guy. I mean yeah, that's true. He he's he's a force to be reckoned with as well. Yeah, if he stays healthy and doesn't do uh, PEDs and he can stay on the field and uh, he might be a solid player too. But yeah, it's interesting and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I still think that they should in free agency go after a free, uh, free safety, uh, maybe like a Malik Hooker or something like that. I think that would fill out that defense very nicely, but, but we'll see what they do. One thing I thought was very interesting that they've mentioned multiple times in like these interviews and post conferences is that they're thinking about a 17 game season. And so you maybe see this team load up on cornerbacks that maybe normally wouldn't load up on cornerbacks, wide receivers that you don't normally load wide receivers. So it's interesting that like, I know we're shaking out like who's the position battles. I think at the end of the day, they're going to have to mix and match and try to figure this out because there's so, such a long grind this season. Uh, and also like, in, you know, in the third wide receiver spot, I do like, that they have options, right? So maybe when you're far out, you can put a David Moore, you can put a Shai Smith, but when you're in the red zone, it's Terrace Marshall all day, every day. I mean, remember we watched this last year and like we're in a red zone and just where the offense goes to die because who's the big body that you were going to throw to? And now you have Dan Arnold and you have Terrace Marshall as these bigger bodies that other people are just going to have a tough time matching up with. And the last thing I was going to say was that, you know, when you talk about the quarterback position, no matter where you stand in the Sam Darnold uh, train, if you're anti or pro, it's going to be must-see TV, right? We're, no matter how you feel about him, we're going to we're going to be so excited, glued to our, our TVs, watching to see. Is how he going to be is. seeing ghosts again? <laughs> I'm hoping not. I'm hoping not. And the, the, I feel like the story that the media was painting about this draft was Sam Darnold has no excuse. There's no excuse anymore for for Sam Darnold. So no matter how you feel, I definitely this is like must-see TV. Yeah, and back on the Marshall thing, what you're saying about the red zone, PFF just tweeted this out probably about an hour ago, 11 uh, receiving touchdowns inside the 10 yard line in 2019 for Marshall. It's the most in college football. So you will definitely be seeing him in the red zone and hopefully Sam Darnold uh, won't throw an interception. I mean, him, (laughs) him and Dan uh, Marshall and Arnold, they're both big and fast. Like if you put a big body on them, they're too fast for you. You put a smaller body on them, they're too big for you. And so I'm excited to see, and the one thing that's, you know, when you talk about the position battles, one thing that we have to realize when it's like David Moore versus Terrace Marshall, one of them already knows the offense. One of them already knows how to play, knows to play multiple positions in wide receiver in this offense. And so somewhat of an unfair advantage, but one of these rookies, even though he's only 20 years old, already knows exactly what is expected of him. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's a valid point. Well, let's end on this, Edgar. 
Let's get your thoughts. There's some reports out this week. Real quick here, Panthers have requested an interview with Dan Morgan. You had the the you know the the slide under the rug by Ian Rappaport that Luke Keekley ha, ha, has resigned and he's taken some time off to focus on family and fishing and whatever else he does, making lures. I believe that was on that Amazon segment. Yeah, I think he was making fishing lures. Um, but anyway, Dan Morgan. Reportedly, Panthers have reached out to the Buffalo Bills to get an interview. Finally, Carolina maybe stealing some from someone from Buffalo. What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, they work together in Seattle. And so, like, you want, like, that chemistry. You want that synergy of people that you work together and you're all on the same page. So when Brandon Bean took Carolina up north and took all these guys, and Buffalo was, like, you know, Buffalo, like, turned the corner and became this legit team – a lot of it was like this chemistry between Bean and McDermott and this and that. And so I feel like we're only, even though we're excited about this draft, remember most of these scouts and most of the people working in the front office are in year one with Scott Fritter. So now when Scott Fritter can bring in his own scouts, bring in his own guy like Dan Morgan that he's worked with, like we can even see, we can even reap even more benefits that the front office and the people who are doing these decisions are kind of all on the same page and are amplified versus kind of Scott Fitter working with what we already had here in Carolina. And so I'm excited to see maybe not just Dan Morgan personally, even though I love that he was a throwback to, to the old days. Uh, I'm more excited that like Scott Fitter gets to bring in his guys and gets to do the way he wants to do things. I think the biggest frustration with Marty Herney was like, you get this like awesome dynamic, fresh face in Matt Rule and you pair him with like the oldest non-football guy in Marty Herney and you're expecting something to happen. So let's put in like a, you know, if you're going to overhaul this team, put like, tear off the, you know, tear down the walls, do a fresh set of paint, a fresh, you know, fresh flooring, do redo everything and let's see what happens. But like, if we're expecting Scott Fitter to work some magic, I'd love to see him like bring in more of his guys and bring that vision to life. And no matter what they report about Luke Keekley resigning, I'm, I'm holding out hope that he resigned and he's working out and he's coming back out of retirement to play for the Carolina Panthers again. <laughs> that, that, that's my own personal hope. Deep on dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what i'm hoping too that's what i was like maybe they slipped it on the rug because they don't want to say that he's coming back but i know a man can dream well edgar thank you so much again for joining us tonight it's good to have you back on panthers on tap we appreciate all your insight and taking the time out to talk some panthers football we appreciate you thanks thanks curtis thanks bryce and you guys are doing good work i keep telling i'm not trying to make you guys conceited but you bring in some good guests i'm listening to your what the work that you do and so just know it doesn't go unnoticed by the fans of of our, of our team. We're, we're very appreciative of your hard work. Thank you, man. We appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Again, we'd like to thank Edgar for coming on. You can give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Panthers Anal Analyst. Pleasure to have Edgar on with us this evening. Now let's get to our draft picks of the week. This week, Bryson... I actually hate a beer. This is uh victory. It's by victory. It's called sour monkey, sour triple triple. I don't know how the hell you say that 9.5% alcohol. Um, you know, it says sour monkey. It tastes more like a monkey's ass. It, it, it's just a terrible beer. It really is. I, I choked, I choked it down during the episode. I only finished one. Usually I finished two or three, but this beer is so terrible. Uh, downing down, Downingtown, Pennsylvania, you can have this beer back. We don't want it here in North Carolina. It's trash. Um, so, if... 
the mystical flavors tart. Yeah, it's way too tart. It's way, way, way too sour. I like sour candy. I'm sour beer. No, not for me. I'll pass on this one. What are you drinking tonight? Nothing good's ever come out of Pennsylvania. Keep everything that's there, including the Steelers. Yeah, uh, that's not, to be fair, that's not all sour beer. beer. That beer is disgusting. It tastes like gasoline to me. I'm on the same page as you. It is terrible. I do not like it. I, I think it has to do with the alcohol percentage in that specific beer, as well as it being a sour. I don't think that those two go together very well. But tonight, I am drinking a beer called Hipster Handshake. And it's actually from an all-women's brewery here in North Carolina, 5.4 alcohol um, percentage. It is brewed in, let me see here, Holly Springs, North Carolina, from Bombshell Beer Company, 100% women-owned brewery. Uh, it was very good. It is a cranberry and cranberry and pomegranate wheat, wheat ale. Uh, cool can, cool design, and uh, it's a... An independent craft brewery got the little logo on there. So it's a, if you had to describe it in one word, what would you give it? Putting you on the hot seat. Okay, so on a scale of one to ten, or, or describe it. One in word. word um, one word. Describe your beer. This one was tangy. Tangy. Yeah, okay. Tangy. Right. Because it, it it does have the cranberry and pomegranate in it, but it is a weed ale, so it's not as tangy as the one I'm drinking now, which was uh, which is a watermelon ghost because i finished this one halfway through the episode both of them are very good but uh yeah I, I recommend it i've never heard of this brewery before but i'm interested in more of their beers and um supporting and what's them. the name of where it's at give it give it another shout out where's that at? bombshell beer company in holly springs north carolina bombshellbeer.com they have the website on here um 100 women owned so yeah i'm supporting women out here let's go women feminism woo yeah, sorry, man. I, I, I well, I'm glad you, you enjoyed that, your that beer. beer is, I did. Uh, yeah, not good. <laughs> Tastes like shit. We'll, we'll get a we'll get a better one for next week. But we just want to thank everyone again for listening in to Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all our episodes every Thursday on wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your Panthers analysis and breaking news. And giveaways, don't forget about it. We just did a draft pack giveaway. We'll be sending that out here shortly. We'll have some coming up here within the next few months. But as always, 